Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Echale Podcast. My name is Jose Quintero, and I'm very excited today because we have a special guest, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce her, Daniela Corrente, who is a part of SUMA, and she's going to kind of explain to us what SUMA is, how she got into SUMA, because I think it's a really great resource for everybody who's listening on this podcast to kind of be aware of. Pero bienvenida, Daniela. Muchísimas gracias por tenerme aquí. Really excited to share with everybody what SUMA is. Uh, look, essentially, we're the number one financial technology platform for oh. young Latinos in the U.S. I love right. talking about money. So, yes, so yeah, okay, so first of all, background background you we were talking offside y le dije no 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 me platicas no me platicas talk to me on the podcast because i love talking about money but i also love talking about people's backgrounds con ese acento primero i'm gonna evidentemente venezolana o colombiana venezolanísima <laughs> oye okay entonces este ay tus tus eh, los tamales que hacen hallacas las hallacas navideñas sí. buenísimas aquí sí. este mi compañera con la que trabajo en la radio evidentemente su papá Raúl Vale es venezolano uh -huh. y hace unas hallacas que yo por primera vez probé hace cuatro años cuando empecé a trabajar aquí and they were delicious the only thing that I did take off were the olives okay but everything else It, it, it's delicious. No, it's great. Las hallacas, el pan de jamón. Aquí se comen arepas riquísimas, cachapas. So, yeah, Venezuelan full on. Did you grow up in Venezuela? Until I was 16. And then wow. I moved to the States for college when I was seven, 17. Oh. And I've been here ever since. How was that transition from Venezuela to the United States? I'm assuming for like school, college. Yeah, I came here for college. Uh, it was interesting because I graduated really young from uh -huh. high school. I was 16. So moving here, I was the first one in my family. I'm the oldest of three. And so my parents right back then was starting the whole political change with Chavez getting into power. And being the oldest, my parents were like, okay, you are the first one to go. Yeah. And so here I am 21 years later. What's good? Did you go California or Miami? No, Miami. I feel like if you're Mexican, you're going to go to California or Texas or Washington. Pero si eres, este, evidentemente, cubano, venezolano, colombiano, peruano, the majority, go to Miami. Everybody, yeah. Like, Miami is the capital of South America, uh, yes, for sure. Yes. And I'm like, ah. I, it, so every time I get to meet a Venezolano, peruano, I'm like, what are you doing over here? I love it because I don't get to see uh, and get to know your culture as yeah. much but did you go to university in miami university in miami then worked in new york for many years <sighs> decided to start my company and moved to california for that oh okay emprendedora y toda Where, what company did you start so my company was called real uh -huh. and it was savings towards purchases so i've been fascinated with financial psychology Jose, for years Because we all like to think that we're rational, uh -huh. but when it comes to finances, emotions, 
drive so much so of the decisions that we make. So you're going to talk to me about why I impulse buy on Amazon. Right now I have a <laughs> challenge where I'm trying not to buy anything for the month of September. Okay. Uh, so far, ¿cuántos días llevamos? Eight days. I haven't bought anything. Okay. I should join you. I should definitely <laughs> join you. <laughs> so, hasta las mejores familias pasa where you impulse buy. Why, yes. why do Latinos have this sensation of impulse buying? Okay, I think from a Latino perspective, we didn't grow up mm -hmm. with the notion or the know-how on how to build generational wealth, mm -hmm. how to save, how to invest, right? Which is what we're doing now at Suma, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that. But Latinos were very much about spending. And it's interesting because we contribute $3 trillion wow. to the GDP. What is GDP for the people listening? So it's a gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's fascinating because once you look into how much we contribute to the economy in the United States, Yeah. And you look at it and you compare it to how we invest our savings products, there is a huge discrepancy. Because everything that's coming in, we're taking out. Everything that's coming in, we're taking out. Wow. As you said, right, we're constantly spending money. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm so fascinated with how can we get Latinos to actually build generational wealth? How can we get Latinos to actually look into finances okay. as a whole and understand that you should not be afraid of money, yes. but you can really use money to build a future where you're super secure, still living the life that you want to live. So many people listening to uh, this podcast are probably like, okay, I want to build generational wealth. I want to talk about money, but I'm afraid to start those money conversations because I'm afraid to look at my own bank account yeah. or I don't make enough money. Uh, how can you help me, Daniela? ¿Qué es lo que yo puedo hacer para mi familia? Am I spending? Do I need to save on Starbucks every single day? Like, what, what would be some beginning steps? Look, I think the first part, it's really sitting down and going through that process of opening your account. Yes. And acknowledging, and that can be super scary. That can be really scary to be like, okay, let's, let me be real, okay? And see how much I'm making and how much I'm spending. And it's not like stop going to Starbucks. It's not, like, it's not those things. It's just a mindset. Yeah. Everything that has to do with money, it's connected with your mindset. And really what's going to make you feel good and happy. I keep talking, I was talking to a friend yesterday yes. and we were talking about mindfulness, right? And I'm like, hey, you can meditate all day long, but if your stress is about money, meditation is not gonna make mm -hmm. that stress disappear, right? So that's something that that's you have true. to you have to be realistic and it impacts so much our mindset, our well being, our happiness. Oh right? So the first step is just acknowledging that and really going to your bank account. That's why like at Suma, we have tools where you connect your bank account and oh. then we do a full on budget for you. And we tell you, here is how you're distributing. Here is how you are spending the money. Here is how we can better optimize that, that money over time. Okay, so now let's go ahead and talk about Suma. ¿Qué es lo que hace? Because obviously I love talking about money. It's a passion of mine. And some people probably are like, oh, este siempre quiere hablar de dinero. But no, because I want to attract it. I even have my tiger's eye right here that attracts <laughs> abundance. Porque si, al final de cuenta, como Latinos, we're, I think, I think it's also, um, before we get to, into Suma, in the Bible it says like, oh, los pobres entrarán al reino del cielo primero. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, we're already conditioned in the Catholicism culture that we yeah. have 
have to be humble and poor and whatnot. And it's like, nah, yo voy a entrar al reino del cielo with my bags of gold with me too, like the pharaohs. So, so talk to me about Suma because I'm excited for people listening um, to have this resource available for them. Yeah, so it's super interesting what you said about religion, about how we grow up. Right? A lot of times, unfortunately, Latinos grow up in households. We grow up in households where like, we don't talk about money, mm -hmm. right? Where bank accounts or banks in general are not discussed, where we see our parents putting money in tiny envelopes, underneath, así debajo del colchoncito, sí. adentro de los trajes, o sea, hidden money O, o las tandas where you're like, oh, comadre, te doy 100 hoy, tú le das 100 mañana, and in four weeks me toca a mí, but it's a lump sum of money, but it's essentially the exact same thing. Yes, so it's not, we don't, we're not used to taking advantage. Yeah of, you know, of interest. We're not used to taking advantage of the products that are out there that are so incredible, right? And so, you know, we've all heard like money calls money. Yes. And I used to laugh at it. And the more that I learn about finances and the more ingrained I get into this world, the more I think it's true, the more that we, like, we invest in ourselves and understanding money the mm. more money we make yes. and that's so important so with suma it really started with this mission of wanting to close the wealth gap but doing it because if you look into the market okay most of the products when you when people talk about latinos mm -hmm. they are not necessarily thinking about us right like the younger generation of latinos that are english first well we're spanglish sí. first okay somos el mezcladito pero We are really making an impact. 80% of the Latinos that are being born, I mean, it's it's fascinating. If you look into the demographics, 80% are under 40, okay, wow. of Latinos in the U.S. now. The second thing that I think it's really fascinating, besides how much money we are investing, is the fact that we are really the cohort that is growing the most, mm -hmm. that we're impacting the economy tremendously were the ones like actually getting jobs corporate jobs making more money than our parents ever thought that they could make and we have such a huge responsibility because whatever we learn we have to pass along to everybody around us i think that's a really good point that you say we're the generation that's making more than our parents then again i feel like we're also the generation that feels like they haven't accomplished as much as our parents like I'm 31 by 31 well my dad wasn't married and so he didn't have a house yet but my mom was 21 <laughs> when she had me and, but they had a house three kids so many other families have had homes and and obviously we live in a time where gas prices are high yeah. inflation is high housing is it it's peak and yes. education right now even though it's so ingrained in us like go to school go to community college go to college and it's so important to us because we've had it ingrained so long it's now also becoming a burden because of student yeah. loans yes yes there are so many factors with the economy that are definitely affecting us in ways that our parents didn't have to to live through right mm -hmm. like they didn't have all of these issues that we're currently having. However, there are also a lot of tools that we can leverage, right? To see how mm -hmm. can we actually unlock the power of the products that the banks are putting out there, right? The power of like interest rates that could be favorable 
to us in order to be better. And again, right, in the big scheme of things, we, yes, we have to focus on yeah. what's working That's for true. us, understanding that we are a part of an economy that it's a really harsh economy. Yeah, and I don't want to sit here and complain and woe is me because you do have resources in SUMA because some of us don't know how to budget. Some of us need to look at money in a different form and SUMA does that. Uh, so talk to me. ¿Qué, qué, ¿Qué más recursos? Because you said you can connect your bank accounts. Sí, conectas tu banco, te ayudamos a ahorrar. We really look for savings for you. So let's say that, give you an example, if you're paying for T-Mobile and Netflix, uh -huh. we tell you, hey, actually, you know, you're paying twice because T-Mobile gives you Netflix for, for, free. for free. We give you a lot of financial education. So what I love about Zuma is the fact that we're not, we're in culture. Mm. What that means is that the content that we're putting out there, it's content that it's worth for everybody because sí. everybody wants to learn about their 401k, right? Everybody wants to learn about, you know, investing. Everybody wants to learn about budgeting, but we do it in a way that is truly speaking to Latinos like nobody else is doing. Got it. Usually when you hear somebody saying like, oh, this is a financial product for Latinos, they think in Spanish, mm. right? They think, but for us, it's not that. For us, it's like using the sentiment and the emotion that is very connected to us. Got it. And we use it, f I'll give you an example. So how ripe an avocado is compared to how ripe your credit score yeah. is. Or a hard and a soft tortilla compared to a hard and a soft credit check, mm -hmm. right? We connect things como tu abuelita te lo diría. Sí. Okay? Con todo lo que hacemos. And that's really the beauty of us, that when you look at that, we use Bad Bunny, we use Carol G, we use everything that's happening in the media to explain finances, to explain savings. So when you look at those things, they don't seem so daunting or so uh -huh. scary, but it's like, okay, yeah, yeah I can yeah. do this. They do this, <laughs> so I can. No, and I love that because I did start following your account a, a, probably over a year ago and okay. I started getting the newsletter y un día como que de curiosidad I was like you know what let me reach out to their Instagram and shout out to Melanie who yes. who was like you know what this is interesting and I proposed like hey let's talk about finances because so many Latinos out there feel like they have a good relationship I feel like I have a good relationship with money But yet again, there's always things to be learned. And every time I think I learn something about money, I realize I don't know anything. So because you're like, all right, compound interest. And then you're just like, okay, uh, high yield savings account. All right, wait, but there's also treasury bonds. And you're like, wait, 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 where, more interest? I don't get it. So where, if somebody's listening to this for the very first time, what resource would you give them in order to start building generational generational wealth from a psychological finance perspective? Look, in our platform, besides the tools that we have for budgeting, for savings, we also have huge library of resources for education. Okay, we have the series like the 401k, mm -hmm. if that's what you're wondering. Mm -hmm. Okay, so definitely, if you sit down and you think, what's your priority now, and you go to Suma sumawealth.com mm -hmm. you can find ginormous set of resources from you know dinero boot camps uh -huh. so we can t we explain to you compound interest we explain to you you know how to better organize your budget how to distribute things we have incredible calculators mm -hmm. if you're thinking about buying a house for example we have free calculators that you go in there and you can put here here's my income 
right? Here is what I have in mind. What can I truly afford, mm. right? And so we simplify all of these things and all of these concepts so that you feel better about the decisions that you are making. So it's more of a holistic approach towards finance because you touch on an array of topics, whether it be like you said, IRAs, 401ks, interest rates, compound interest. And then when it comes to taxes, being an entrepreneur yourself who started her own business, I'm assuming that when you started it, you I mean, you majored in finance, but not accounting. And those are completely Actually, di- I majored in marketing. You did me too. Yes. I, they always said it was the coloring <laughs> books of business because we didn't want to deal with numbers. But now in retrospect, I'm like, I should have paid more attention to those classes. My life is all numbers now. So like prior to Suma, I had my own fintech platform. Uh-huh. So incredible experience. Definitely my life is in Excel uh-huh. right now. Over the past seven years, my life has been in Excel. And then recently we sold to Suma. So that's how I became the chief strategy and business officer oh at Suma. God. They acquired my previous company. So many learnings there also from starting a company, not coming from a technology background, what having to fundraise, right, as a Latina, uh, and actually fundraise a really good amount of money. Wow. So super proud of that. Build a team, selling a company and then joining this mission of closing the wealth gap. So many people would say, ay sí, pero qué suertuda, tuvo su propia compañía. Uh, how old were you when you started your company? 29. 29. Oh um, my God, like suertuda, 29, joven y todo eso. Was it easy to start ne- it? Never. Uh, it's not easy. You have to be highly passionate to have a business, right? What made you start it? What was the spark? What was the need that you saw at that time? So at that time, and, and we're talking about real, what I saw is that we live in a society where we think that the only way to achieve our goals is by going into deeper debt. Mm. And so if we talk about consumer psychology as a whole, I wanted to create a really, really simple tool for people to yeah. see that savings are attainable. Because when you are... 18 or 19 saving for retirement or a rainy day it just seems so far away Mm -hmm. but if you learn how to save for a pair of airpods Mm. for those cool nikes that you want then you start training your brain about savings and back then i was in new york working in advertising and i was like you know what let's go for it wow i saved money and you know i said the worst thing that can happen is that I have to go back and find another job and definitely huge lifestyle change yes. uh, but absolutely worth it so New York woman starting a new business how was even getting the capital and did you actually sell products or was it just resources because you have to make money off of somewhere whether it be selling a product or marketing like sponsors, right? Uh, uh, so how was that, getting the capital? So it was a mission. Uh-huh. Uh, I was able to raise close to $7 million at the end. Uh, it, took, it took years. It took time. It took, again, I don't come from technology. I don't come from finance. I didn't, didn't know anybody. I moved to California and I... So, this, so you moved to California from New York to start Rio? Yes. <gasps> Hija de tu. Así que me lancé full on y dije, bueno. You didn't know anybody over on. here? Just, when well, I have one brother here. Okay. Uh-huh, but I didn't know anybody in tech. And so he was really going to network events, being on 24-7, mm-hmm. right? When you're starting a business, you were 
every single hat yes. that you can imagine. And you have to learn so many things at once, mm -hmm. especially when you enter a world where, look, financial technology, there are not many women, yeah. let alone Latinas, right? So it was, it was definitely a lot, a lot of learning and a lot of endurance. And when I talk about psychology and investing in yourself and all of that, like, I worked with a business coach. I had never worked with a coach mm. before. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna do this for me. And it was the hardest thing because at that time I wasn't making any money, mm. right? So being like, okay, the little money that I have, I'm not gonna go out. I'm just gonna go to network and like pay this money to a business coach because like I need to get better and I need to evolve. That was so important. That is so important that you're mentioning it because so many entrepreneurs probably listening are like, why am I going to pay somebody else to tell me how to run my business, what I should be yeah. doing? And I'm going to put it in perspective um, for, for two angles. Uh, I work in communication. I work in radio. But I still take linguistic classes mm -hmm. because quiero mejorar mi pronunciación, quiero mejorar mi rendimiento al estar enfrente de una cámara o enfrente de un micrófono. Always. As a personal trainer as well, I have my own personal trainer because not that I don't know how to work out, but sometimes it's that added encouragement that you're paying for on the fitness side. For the business coach, what was that for you? What, what Was it added support? Was it actual guidance towards negotiation deals? Oh, look, all of the above depending on where I was, right, mm. in, the, in the journey. You have to learn how to fundraise. You have to learn mm. how to... I always... I worked and I had teams back when I was in corporate. And so that was a great learning. However, I was not responsible for the paycheck. That's true. I was not responsible to do HR. I was not responsible for any of that. When you start your own business, you have to be responsible for how you're positioning things, for listening, for actually, you know, engaging constantly with your team for their paycheck. Yes. For It's an added responsibility oh right that comes in because all of a sudden it's not only you starting your business at the very beginning when you start bringing people in you also feel the responsibility of yeah. hey i cannot you know they're leaning on yes. me for this so it's it's definitely a lot of mental mm -hmm. training i i think coaches are incredible for that yeah. because even like look one thing for any entrepreneur that is listening to, to this out there, it takes hundreds of conversations to get to a check, right? It's not, it's not you meet two people. Maybe that's you and lucky you, but See. that wasn't me and that was not the reality of a lot of people. So you have to constantly go out there and pitch, 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 and you can tell no, no, no. And still you have to turn around and look at your team and walk into the office and be like, yes, we're doing this <laughs> after you heard, yeah. you know, 20 no's in a row. So mentally you have to be very strong. How, what was the first check you got? Oh my goodness, it was. Do you remember? I feel like everybody remembers how much they, their first check in investment or I have a picture. Uh, <laughs> Me too. My first check in entertainment was $100 for volunteering. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. For us, our first uh, angel check was for actually another entrepreneur that I met here in Los Angeles. And it was a 25K check back then. And it was incredible. And after that, things started unlocking. We got into an accelerator, which is Mocker Capital here in Los Angeles. They were our first institutional. Uh, you know, we had friend, like 
my friends is not like I come from. I don't come from Harvard or yes. Yale or a network where it's like, yeah, let me write you 100K. Yeah. No. Uh, but I was surprised by some of my friends back then that were like, whatever you do, I want to support you. That's awesome. Right? So that was incredible. Um, and and that's how we started. And I remember, look at the beginning, 5K, 10K, 20K. It seemed like so much money when you are starting and then you start growing. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous how your mindset changes as you start growing where it's like, okay, now I have a team of 10 people, right? Now 5K, it's like nothing, it's a salary. So we have to keep moving and we have to keep growing. And and through that, I met the team of Suma. Mm. So through my experience with Real, I met Beatriz Acevedo and and Mary Hernandez, which are the two founders of Suma. And, And everything, I mean, fast forward a couple of years later and they acquired the company and now I'm part of it. I just love that because so many Latinos dream about generational wealth and you built it and you're continuing to build it. But so many of us are afraid to start a business to take a leap of faith for our dreams. And you saw a need and maybe you didn't see a need that was a million dollar need at the time, Mm -hmm. but you saw a need and you decided to take a risk on yourself and on a passion that you had and it turned out to be a huge opportunity. So for everybody listening to this, if you have an idea, an opportunity, just maybe take that leap of faith and do it. Because were you afraid? Yeah, of course, we all are, right? Like we're all learning. It's part of the... it's, it's part of the adrenaline yes. of running a business. You you definitely have to prepare yourself, right? And know that you have to have some cash to self-support yourself for a while. I underestimated that because uh-huh. uh, you always think that things are going to move way faster than they actually do. Mm-hmm. So you have to have some money to sort of cover yourself and know also know that this is a journey that in many ways is very personal when you're starting a business. But one thing that I that I constantly hear from other Latinos entrepreneurs that I I said like okay I need to be more vocal about this. There is such a huge responsibility when you're a Latino or a Latina starting mm-hmm. a business because we feel that we have the weight of representing yes. all of the other Latinos yes. out there. Which we do, right? Because yeah. especially when you're the only one at the table. Yeah. That it's like, okay, uh, we are the ones it's spending the more money. The more money. Why aren't you looking at us? Uh, it's not a great business decision if you are not investing in Latinos right now. Yes. But when you are the only one, you feel that weight and responsibility. And my coach told me this, and, and I, now I say it all the time: you are not responsible for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You are responsible for you, and your team, and your company. And as you succeed in that you're inherently opening doors for others. So I think that's important at the beginning because there is this constant conflict of like, okay, wherever I go, I represent Mm -hmm. everybody else, which I felt constantly. And, and let it go, letting go a little bit of that. Yeah. I think it's important because it's sort of, Let's you breathe a bit. Being a Latina entrepreneur, business owner, now part of a company that is Latino owned, Latina owned business owners, we see this in a lot of companies where the pay inequalities and pay gap, especially within women, but even more so within Latina women. Yes. That like, you know, you go into a workforce and you try to rise up the ladders, but the pay isn't there because maybe the company is not a Disneyland. It's not an mm-hmm. ABC. It's not a Nike and whatnot. How do you 
do you manage keeping your workforce? Because it can be really tough for small Latino business to keep their Latino employees because uno también tiene que comer. Claro, claro. O sea, look, you have to be one from an employee perspective, from a leadership perspective, right? You have to know, especially if you're starting and you're not paying full on, you have to reward your team somehow, mm -hmm. right? Culture, it's super important, right? They are there. If they are, get, if they are there because they believe in these at mm -hmm. early stage, they should be rewarded for it, right? So if, it's, if you cannot pay them in cash, think about other ways, right? Yeah. Either equity or put up a plan yeah. of like, this is how we can unlock things over time. And on the other end, if you are the one looking for the opportunity, like never be afraid to negotiate. Mm. Never. I think, you know, unfortunately, and I see it over and over, and I saw it in me at the beginning of my career, is like sometimes we just want the opportunity so much mm -hmm. that we sacrifice on the pay. And that can be valid for some opportunities, But don't lock yourself without negotiating, yes. right? And if you're going in, think about the long term. If they can now pay you X, mm -hmm. but you know that market value, it's, yeah. let's say, 20% higher, be like, okay, great. I'm coming in on X, but how are we going to get to market value? Mm. Let's put a plan. What are the goals that I need to hit mm -hmm. to get there? Like, let's work together. And I don't think people do it enough. Yeah, at the beginning and it's a missed opportunity because guess what once you're in there it's very hard to get raises yes. so data research and don't be afraid to ask for what you are worth at uh, yeah. because you're the you have to be your number one advocate yeah and i think uh, the intimidation is a huge part of it we are in, in, indoctrinated to respect our elders respect uh people who are older which typically tend to be the people in power yeah. in money-making decisions so we don't want to seem like oh i'm gonna go ask for money but what if they just want to get rid of me so it's sort of like this shame but it's like no we should be able to speak up we should be able to say this is my worth and like you said let's think of a plan where i can reach the allotted amount that i want and if the allotted amount it seems too ridiculous why mm -hmm. why is it too ridiculous why like justify it other ways right why is it too ridiculous like, now we have the beauty of data mm -hmm. online search what they're paying other people yes right and Know that in every position, you have the opportunity to grow. So when you look at a job posting, you don't have to check all the boxes, but you have to know that that's something that you are working towards or yeah. growing towards. And so once you go in there, just make sure that you're asking for the same that everybody else. And, and it's funny because I just had this conversation with my sister-in-law. She was getting a job, and so they sent her an offer, and she wasn't happy with the offer, but she was afraid to ask for more. And I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, look, they already sent you an offer. Yeah. Okay? So ask for what you want. Worst case scenario, they're not going to pull back. They're going to tell you that they cannot match it, right? Because she was scared of, like, if I ask for these, what about if they just tell me, no, thank you, yeah. goodbye? It's like, that's very rare that that happens. Right. And same thing goes in business as an See. entrepreneur, right? Like sometimes like now I'm negotiating deals um, with institutions of all sizes. And sometimes, unfortunately, right, 
When it comes to the Latino market, the budgets tend to be smaller, even though we're spending a lot of money, mm -hmm. which doesn't add up. But you have to go in there and ask for the value. Yeah. Right? And if they don't have it, then you can figure out ways to get creative. But I'm not going to go start with a small one just because I know they're not allocating enough money towards us. Because yeah. then I would be putting a price value yeah. on what we're creating that is not equal to everybody else. If you had to sum up what SUMA is in a sentence, what would it be? It's the number one financial technology platform for financial education and financial tools for young Latinos. Daniela, before we wrap this interview up, uh, since it is a new season of the podcast, siempre me gusta, bueno, no siempre, I'm starting to ask my the people that I interview to ask a question to the next person that comes on to the podcast. And if you would like to answer it, it's a, you can. If not, right. what would be the question for the next person? Um, what was the most exciting thing you've done this year? Okay. What has been the most exciting thing you've done this year? Um, reinvented myself after selling the company. Oh. Uh, so taking this new journey and, and learning out of it, I think that's that's the most exciting thing that I've done. <laughs> Daniela Corrente de Suma, muchísimas gracias por estar okay. en Echale Podcast. Muchísimas gracias por tenerme aquí. <laughs> Where can people find you, contact you, just in case they have any questions? Yes, check us out. It's Suma Wealth. Uh, so you can find us on social under We Are Suma, our website, Suma Wealth. And then uh, through that, you can also find all of my information. Gracias. Gracias a ti. <laughs>